Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. The Poor Knight, a fantasy musical podcast suitable for all ages, brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. Follow Nathaniel the Poor Knight and the friends he meets along his journey as he's bitten by a wereman and must break the curse before the full moon. Listen to The Poor Knight wherever you get your podcasts or learn more at foolandscholar.com. Hello there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is yet again another chilling tale. This waterborne tale, Story Club members, might make quite a splash with you if you like sea monsters. It's one I call Chessie of Chesapeake Bay. So, I was searching for some summer fun and maybe doing a little monster hunting because, hey, I'm a multitasker and so I decided to check out Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. The boating there is great, and also, there's a mythical monster who allegedly lurks beneath the waves of the massive estuary. Her name is Chessie. Described as serpent-like and as long as a telephone pole, the first sighting of Chessie seems to have been in 1846, when a captain named Lawson spotted an unusual creature in the waters between the tip of the Delmarva Peninsula and what is today Virginia Beach at the mouth of the bay. Later, the sea monster was reported to be seen in 1936 by some helicopter pilots, and in later years by other witnesses. In 1982, one witness recorded what is believed to be Chessie with a video camera. The footage was viewed on the local news, and you can find it easily online. Though some sightings were attributed to manatees, others were not so sure. The last sighting of Chessie was in 2014, quite a while ago. And the bay is 4,500 square miles, so the chances of seeing any kind of sea monster were remote at best. But even if I didn't see the legendary Chessie, at least I would get some water and sun. Because it's more fun to go on a trip with a friend, the first person I invited was my traveling partner, Willow Yates. Now, if you've been tuning in daily, devoted listeners, you'll remember that Willow and I tangled with Bandage Man in Cannon Beach, Oregon, and Bigfoot in Ape Canyon, Washington. My girl was done going on adventures with me. But I begged and pleaded, which isn't pretty. This time, I was straight up honest with her about the sea monster legend, but I told her the only thing we had to worry about was sunburn. Willow reluctantly agreed. Also, and I didn't tell her this, but she's kinda my good luck charm. I am two for two into running into monsters on my hunt. The chances of seeing Chessie were good with Willow by my side. It's like she's my monster magnet. This time, I brought a high-definition waterproof camera with a fast shutter and digital stabilization. If I saw Chessie, my plan was to get the best footage I could that would be sharp and clear. No shaky, grainy monster cam, thank you very much. After we arrived in Annapolis, Maryland and checked into our hotel, Willow and I made a trip to the boat rental place. We rented a 20-foot boat that we could have out in the water for up to 8 hours. 
I budgeted my time and money to give myself three days to see if I could get some sea monster footage. The first day, we toured around the Magathy River, which was where the last sighting of Chessie was. That turned into a total bust. Since it was August, Willow and I did get some pretty nice suntans, but spending that much time in the sun and on the water does take its toll on you. We were both tired and slept like the dead. The second day, I rented another 20-foot boat and we scoured other areas where Chessie had been sighted. Some boaters found out what we were doing. Many joked, saying we were wasting our time, but others hoped that my devotion to the monster hunting project would yield some good footage. But the second day proved to be more of the same. Maybe the luck in my good luck charm Willow was wearing off? The last day, Willow and I were so tired, we ended up staying in the hotel most of the day. She binged some reality TV, and I, of course, binged monster documentaries. I was envious of what the filmmakers came up with. We rented our final boat only a few hours before dusk and took it out. Again, it proved to be a monsterless monster hunt until... Watch out for that log, Willow said to me. You're gonna hit it with the bow of the boat. I was the one steering the boat and saw it. Yep, it was a log about 10 feet long in the water. I was hoping it was Chessie as she could be described that way. I was starting to get really excited. Then suddenly, the log moved on its own dipping down under the water and rising up, up, and up. It wasn't 10 feet, it was more like 50 feet, and it had a head. I stopped the boat and grabbed the camera. Chessie's head sprang from the surface of the water, blowing out air from her nostrils like a whale does from its blowhole. The head looked snake-like, almost like a dragon. As I shot the footage though, Willow jumped in my way, pointing and screaming. So the only thing I got was her back. She totally blew the footage. But I know what I saw. Willow told me that instant to get back to shore, and she hid in the hold of the boat, afraid that Chessie would pop up and eat us or something. I told her that wasn't Chessie's style, but she didn't believe me. After all, this was our third monster encounter. After we got back to the hotel, I kept reviewing the footage to see if there was anything salvageable, but there wasn't. It all happened so quickly, and Willow got in the way. Oh well. I saw what I saw when I saw it, that's for sure. Though getting Willow to come on another monster hunting mission, even one that was kind of a bust like this one, might prove to be impossible. But if I can convince her to be brave and explore the unknown mysteries of our world, you'll be the first to find out. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host and caretaker of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This ghostly tale, Story Club members, might get you sick with the chills and send one up your spine, as it did mine, when I experienced it. It's one I call the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. If you've been tuning in daily, devoted listeners, you know that I occasionally like to visit places that have reports of hauntings. It's something that I'm into, so sue me, okay? This time, I stopped by one of the scariest places of my life, which is down in Kentucky. It's one of the most haunted places ever recorded, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville. Over the years since the hospital has closed, eyewitness reports of all kind of paranormal activity have sprung up cold spots, disembodied voices, and apparitions roaming the halls. 
That's right. This large, abandoned, foreboding building has a dark and disturbing history that I'm going to share with you. So beware. In 1910, a wooden two-story hospital was built to treat tuberculosis. The disease was so rampant in the area that a new building was constructed in 1924. It opened two years later. The treatment of tuberculosis was still in its early stages. 10,000 patients of the sanatorium died within the first three years. It's estimated that 64,000 patients died by 1943. The hospital finally closed in 1961. A year later, however, it reopened as the Woodhaven Geriatric Sanatorium, where there were many accounts of patient mistreatment and unusual disturbing experiments. The state of Kentucky finally shut down the facility in 1982 due to those troubling reports. Well-known supernatural occurrences have been reported at the sanatorium. For example, the ghost of an old woman has often been seen running out the front door, her hands and legs chained and blood dripping from her wrists and ankles. She cries for help before she vanishes. On the third floor of the building, many witnesses have seen a little girl, known as Mary, who plays with a ball. Others have only heard the ball bouncing on the floor or down the stairs. Some have even seen the child peering out of the third floor windows. Other people have seen mysterious lights in the haunted hallways at night, even though the place has no electricity, or they've heard voices that instructed them to get out. The general feeling of many investigators and visitors to the sanatorium is that of despair. Often, places of great emotional pain and suffering are among the most haunted. It seems that Waverly Hills is no exception. So, of course, I decided to stay the night in the sanatorium and report any findings. It's what I do for my devoted listeners. There are public and private tours through the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, and you can even take your sleeping bag and stay overnight. I elected for that option. I wanted to bring Willow Yates, but she said there was no way she would spend the night in a place where ghosts were reported, especially a creepy old sanatorium that's been closed for nearly 40 years. But I did get lucky. My friend Autumn Nash was excited to go. I don't like to admit it, but I do get a little frightened sometimes. So having Autumn along was great company. And unlike Willow, she lives for ghost chasing. Autumn is what many call a sensitive, which means she's a psychic medium who can speak to spirits. I didn't go in with any ghost hunting equipment to document thermal images, EMF readings, or EVP recordings. Nope, all I needed was Autumn. I probably should have taken her to the haunted Winchester house with me, but she was at a ghost retreat with other psychics. After Autumn and I arrived and set up our sleeping bags in an empty room, we took our flashlights and explored the empty chambers and dark, vacant hallways. The place was run down and a little depressing. Autumn's feelings were off the charts. She said the institution was filled with so much sadness. We didn't find the ghost girl, Mary, but Autumn did speak to a little boy named Ogden, who was playing with some old-fashioned tin soldiers. Ogden didn't realize that he passed away years ago. Autumn didn't tell him either. Ogden seemed to be enjoying himself, according to her. Of course, I didn't see him. Only my psychic partner did. But she said he was around seven years old and wore clothes that were about 75 years out of date. Part of me didn't believe Autumn. Maybe she was just making it up in hopes of getting me excited about ghost hunting. After we fell asleep and woke up the next morning though, I made a strange discovery. As we left the famous Kentucky Sanatorium in the light of day, 
I found an old tin soldier in my jacket pocket. On the bottom of it, scrawled with a black crayon, was the name Ogden. Autumn was surprised her ghostly friend gave away one of his favorite toys. She waved to somebody in the third floor window that I didn't see. When I asked her who she was waving to, she said, Ogden. And he also says you're welcome. I'm not sure what scared me more, the shadowy sanatorium or my friend Autumn Nash chatting with disembodied spirits. I have Ogden's tin soldier on my shelf to remind me that strange and unexplained things exist in the world every day. Thank goodness, or I'd be out of a job. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello once again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the absolute most, and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This ghostly tale, Story Club members, might send you running for the door, as it did me when I experienced it. It's one I call the Stanley Hotel. There have been numerous reports of haunted hotels all over the world. One allegedly haunted hotel has chilled guests with its supernatural phenomenon, and inspired a legendary horror author to write a blockbuster book based on the ghostly place. Boils and ghouls? I'm excited to introduce to you the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. The Stanley Hotel is a 138-room Georgian-style hotel located in the scenic Rocky Mountains. Freeland Stanley, owner of Stanley Steamer Automobiles, built the spacious lodgings, which opened on July 4, 1909. Famous guests of the lavish hotel included many popular Hollywood celebrities and President Theodore Roosevelt. Ah, uh, but there's trouble in paradise. The Stanley Hotel is believed to be haunted. Reports of ghostly activity by the kitchen staff have been reported. Some have heard a party going on in the ballroom, only to find it empty. Others heard the ballroom piano being played, but no one sitting at the instrument. Employees believe that the musician ghost is Freeland Stanley's wife, who used to be a piano player. Guests have also reported seeing a man stand over their bed before he ran into the closet, often having stolen their jewelry or luggage. Paranormal investigators visiting the hotel have claimed to experience ghostly occurrences, such as seeing apparitions appear in hallways and then hiding, hearing children running and playing on the floor above them, and seeing tables move all by themselves. In the mid-1970s, horror author Stephen King and his wife stayed at the Stanley Hotel. The experience, and the talk of the hauntings at the hotel, inspired King to write his 1977 best-selling book, The Shining. The book was made into a hit film in 1980, which is shown daily at the hotel. A popular TV movie adaptation of the book was filmed at the Stanley Hotel location and released in 1997. 
Of course, Autumn Nash and I had to stay at the luxury hotel. We insisted on staying in room 217, which is the strange and scary room in King's novel. Autumn tried to pick up psychic vibrations in our room, but she came up empty. We took the spirit tour of the hotel and grounds, but still came up with nothing. While ghosts have been reported and seen, we didn't see any. Maybe they were spirited away on vacation? No, oh well. It was a nice stay in a beautiful hotel. But as we were coming down the stairs to check out, Autumn snapped a picture of me on the stairs. She paused for a moment. I asked her what was wrong. She said she had a psychic tremor. Something was amiss. I had to admit, I felt a cold spot where the temperature dropped 10 degrees. That often happens when a ghost manifests itself. It takes energy and cold spots often happen. Something did, but we didn't see it. When Autumn and I pulled into Boulder, we stopped for lunch. As I was thumbing through the pictures of our stay at the Stanley Hotel, I noticed something strange. In the picture Autumn took of me on the stairs, where we felt the cold spot, was two girls. They were blurry in the photo, but it was clear that there were two girls around 8 or 10 years old. And they hadn't been there with us. Later, I looked it up online, and someone else had taken a picture of the two girls on the stairs in the same place. I was so freaked out, I dropped my spoon into my bowl of chili with sriracha and extra cheese and splattered it all over my white shirt. But I didn't care. This was a bona fide ghost picture. Autumn agreed with me. There was definitely something there. So finally, after Bandage Man at Cannon Beach, Bigfoot at Ape Canyon, Chessie in Chesapeake Bay, and the Mothman at Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and the Waverly Hills Sanatorium from past exploits, I finally had a ghost picture. Yes! So if you're ever in the Rocky Mountains, check out the Stanley Hotel. You might just capture a few candid ghosts in your snapshots. Or you might not. Who's to say? <laughs> Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your scream of a host and custodian of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This particular ghostly tale, Story Club members, might make you never want to visit your local library again. It's one I call the Grey Lady of Willard Library. Now, maybe it's just me, but ghosts seem to like quiet places where they can live long afterlives. And what's quieter than a library, right? Shh. Let's face it, libraries are ideal tranquil homes for ghosts. They're quiet and have rows and rows of books, which are perfect for restless spirits to wander. Do you remember that ghost librarian in the first Ghostbusters movie? Well, one of the most famous haunted libraries is the Willard Library in Evansville, Indiana. Opened in the late 1800s, it's the oldest working library in the state. As I was cruising through the Midwest with my best friends, Autumn Nash and Willow Yates, during our summer vacation, I decided to stop by the Willard Library in Evansville and check it out. Evansville is one of the largest cities in Indiana and has some pretty impressive architecture. The Willard Library is seriously one of the most photogenic places I've ever seen. Naturally, Autumn, being a psychic medium, was excited to visit Willard Library for its haunted reputation. But we didn't let Willow know anything about Willard Library's reputation, or she never would have gone inside. Here's a little history about the Grey Lady, the library's most famous and often seen ghost. 
In the 1930s, the Grey Lady was first spotted in the boiler room by a janitor. A janitor, I might add, who soon left his job because he was too frightened to return. Though the identity of the Grey Lady is unknown, many people have described her adorned in a long grey dress, high-topped shoes, a grey hat and veil, or simply a shawl. When the Grey Lady is seen, there's often the report of an overpowering aroma of perfume, too. This tracks with other ghostly incidents I've mentioned, as often there's a phantom smell that's associated with who the person was in life. For example, perfume or the smell of a cigar. Since the first sighting of the Grey Lady in the early 20th century, several eyewitnesses who have visited or worked at the library have experienced strange happenings. For example, they've witnessed room lights snapping on and off, bathroom faucets turning on by themselves, strange cold spots, books and furniture moving mysteriously around, and the gentle opening and closing of doors. In 2000, nearly 70 years after the first Grey Lady sighting, three video cameras were strategically placed in the library. One in the children's library, one in the research room, and one in the basement. On several occasions since the cameras were installed, they've captured strange images of a woman who was sitting and reading books. The images appear to be a see-through Grey Lady. The children's room is where the images of the Grey Lady are most often captured. Perhaps the afterlife offers more uninterrupted reading time? Autumn, Willow, and I ventured into the library to look around. Construction on the library began in 1876, and it formally opened in 1885 after completion. The inside has tall ceilings and beautifully tiled floors, as well as oak castings around the windows. Its timeless classic look definitely made the possibility of seeing a ghost even more exciting. Autumn told me she could feel psychic vibrations and cold spots as soon as we entered. In the children's library area, I even smelled the perfume. It had a strong rosewater scent, but Autumn and I didn't actually see any ghost. Willow got bored and told us she needed to use the restroom, and after that, she wanted to get back on the road. We agreed we'd leave. No disembodied spirits dressed in gray Victorian garb for this trip. However, not more than five minutes after Willow left us, she scrambled through the library, screaming and burst through the front door, escaping outside. Autumn and I quickly beat a hasty retreat, a little embarrassed by Willow's outburst. We asked her what happened. Willow said she got lost looking for the bathroom, so she asked a lady in an outdated gray dress who was standing in one of the book aisles for directions. She thought the lady was a library employee who was a little eccentric for wearing such old clothing. The lady in gray hushed her and then vanished. Willow said the temperature around her dropped to where she could see her own breath. And that's when she knew she had a paranormal encounter. Temperature drops often happen when ghosts manifest themselves into our realm. We ended up taking Willow to a local fast food restaurant and buying her a blueberry milkshake. Autumn and I wanted to laugh, but that would have been a little insensitive and kind of mean. I only wished Willow had snapped a photo of the specter. We found out later that there are ghost cams set up all over the library to view the Grey Lady. Unfortunately, when we looked at the footage, we only saw Willow. The Grey Lady was obscured by a bookshelf. Darn it, foiled again. But Willow seeing the ghostly woman and running out of the library was something right out of the aforementioned Ghostbusters. So Autumn and I did share a chuckle about that, as did a million other people who saw the video when it went viral. Poor Willow. 
Now, Willow says she will never ever go on another haunted vacation with us again. Until I can convince her, that is. <laughs> Unlike Willow, I don't have to convince you, my devoted listeners, to join me for the daily scare. That's why I love you guys. You really get me. And I've got your backs too. I made us some really cool R.L. Stein Story Club t-shirts and hoodies that are guaranteed to guard you against spirits in between club meetings. Okay, well, maybe not guaranteed, but it can't hurt to look awesome, right? The truth is that R.L. Stein Story Club is a big hit thanks to all of you. I mean, did you know we literally have thousands of members all over the world? And I don't know about you, but when I'm out and about, I'd like to be able to recognize my fellow Phantom Hunters. So go pick up your Story Club swag at gokidgo.com so everyone knows you're in my terrifying tribe. I'm proud of you people. Also, you don't have to stop with my spooktacular stories every day. Did you know that there are a whole bunch of Go Kid Go shows that are almost as awesome as mine? There's Bobby Wonder, a 10-year-old alien who has to protect the town of Pflugerville from villainous Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Kapow, and Waffle and Martha being totally hilarious nitwits in the underground world of Flusville. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or Flusville wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find your way to a great time. Join me back here tomorrow for another eerie episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go, kid, go! We put on our detective caps and looked high and low, searching for clues to lead us to the best new mystery podcast for kids. Little did we know that we would have to search upside down. That's right. We discovered the upside down story with a brand new mystery story for kid detectives each and every week. With most stories, the storyteller introduces themselves at the beginning of the tale. But at the upside down story, you don't know who is telling you the story until the very end. Unless you guess their identity sooner, that is. Do you think you have the detective skills to crack these cases wide open? Yes? Then tag along with us for the fun and put your sleuthing skills to the test by listening to The Upside Down Story on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.